When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, it's Buck Sexton, and you're listening to The Carol Markowitz Show on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome back to The Carol Markowitz Show. This is not going to be a political show. It was important to me that this show be on bigger topics and not just news of the day. But the news right now is extremely personal to me, and so I have to say something about it. On Saturday morning, Israel was attacked. I'm sure you've seen the horrifying videos and stories. I'm not going to go over any of that. I've barely slept since Saturday. The images, they really stay on my mind. We're just getting to know each other on this podcast, so I wanted to tell you a little bit more about myself. I mentioned last episode that I was born in the Soviet Union. I'm Jewish, and that's actually how my family was able to get out. I won't go into the whole history, but I do enjoy noting that my family owes their freedom to President Gerald Ford. He negotiated for Jews to be let out of the Soviet Union because we were being persecuted for our religion. We couldn't hold various jobs, live in certain places, and so on. I feel like people sometimes don't understand that Judaism is a religion, yes, but we are also a people. That's why I can take a DNA test and find out that I'm Jewish, but you can't similarly take a DNA test for other faiths and find out that you're Catholic or Muslim or something. So in the Soviet Union, we were Jews as our nationality. That's what it said on our papers. It wasn't like you could convert out of it. Some of you might know Jews from the Soviet Union who live in America and refer to themselves as Russian, maybe not recently, but then you come to find out they were born in Ukraine or Belarus or elsewhere. But that's because we were never Russian or Ukrainian or Belarusian. We were just Jews. My family moved to Brooklyn, New York when I was a small child. And despite the fact that my parents are both atheists because, again, Soviet, I went to an Orthodox Jewish school for the first eight years of my life. 
I mentioned that because I want to give you some insight into what little Jewish kids learn in Brooklyn all day. We learned about peace. Our songs were about making peace. We read books about peace. We prayed for peace. I've been lucky in some ways because my ex-Soviet world and my politically conservative world and my Florida world are all overwhelmingly pro-Israel. So I never fear in speaking out that I'm going to lose friends or something. And while I notice the silence of some people I follow, I really don't have anyone in my life arguing that murdering babies or kidnapping grandmas is just to be expected. And honestly, I know some Jews are angry about it, but I somewhat understand the people who are not speaking out. If you're not Jewish and you want to stay out of it, I get it. You can feel disgusted by the images of dead bodies at a music festival, but not take to Facebook to let your friends know how you feel. It's understandable. But I am Jewish, and I can't stay out of it. I can't be quiet. Those dead people are me. I see my children's faces in the faces of the kids that were taken. I won't pretend otherwise. I can't. Of course, if you comment on every single other catastrophe around the world and are suddenly silent on this, yes, we notice. And there are a lot of people like that big-time activists for every cause who care a lot about everything except dead Jews. We notice. One of the things that is hard about this current moment is that people hear your support for Israel or just general opposition to rape and slaughter and immediately imagine you're pushing a policy position. I'm sure there are people who want the U.S. to get involved in Israel's fight. I'm not one of them. I think Israel can handle her own business and will. Understand that you're being lied to if you hear that Jews in general, or Israelis in particular, are asking for American involvement. It's simply untrue. We're afraid right now. I always saw America as a safe haven for Jews, and I always referred to American Jews like myself as the luckiest Jews in history. But I'm not going to lie. It's been a tough few years. There was a moment when there were attacks on Jews every day, and so many people rushed to excuse them. It was happening in Brooklyn daily, and even other Jews shrugged. I remember Kanye West said Hitler was right, and way too many people invited him on their shows to hear more about that. It hasn't felt great. If you have Jews in your life, understand that they are really going through something right now. None of us are functioning well. All of us are afraid. Good people have asked what they can do and how they can help. There are Israeli charities you can support. I've listed some on my Twitter. You can check in with your Jewish friends, especially if they have family in Israel, which many of us do. Another thing is if you go shooting, offer to take your Jewish friend. Silly as that may sound, many of us didn't grow up in a shooting culture, and many of us are very interested in protecting ourselves, but don't know exactly how. Listen, I want my kids to sing those songs of peace, and I want them to work for peace, but I'm also going to teach them how to shoot as soon as they are old enough, and I'm never going to cower to people who hate us for an identity we couldn't shed if we wanted to. So that's it. This is a podcast about life, and this is what's going on in my life right now. Coming up next is an interview I did with Clay Travis, recorded before the war in Israel began. Join us after the break. 
AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. My guest today is my friend Clay Travis, co-host of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show and author of the best-selling book, American Playbook. Hi, Clay. How are you, Carol? I appreciate you having me on. Yes, I've got my own copy. I hope you're enjoying it. It's supposed to be a fun uh, read, and so I hope you're enjoying it. I hope anybody else who's reading it. I am. I haven't reached the the part where you are (laughs) insulting the Dallas Cowboys yet. I'm always thinking like, hey... Uh, can I write an entertaining book for people who might not otherwise be interested in a politics book? And uh, I like to think that, uh, that I have done so. Right. So we'll see whether or not uh, that continues to be the case. Yeah. I mean, I'm loving it. You know, I, I mean, let's just get right into it. But, you know, you mentioned in your book that you're a history nerd. And, you know, this is something that I did know about you already. I have two sons and, you know, one is a, a sports kid, you know, a superstar in football and can name every player on every team. And the other one is super into history. I've really never seen anybody kind of merge those two interests. Do you feel like you're unique in that way? I, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I mean, um, I've always been uh, obsessed with sports and also obsessed with history my whole life. Um, Mm -hmm. When I was six years old, 
I don't think this is in the book, but uh, what I wanted to do for my sixth birthday was go to the Alamo. Uh, so my dad took me to the mm. Alamo. Um, I wanted to go to every Civil War battlefield growing up uh, and and read everything about the Civil War also. Um, and when you're a kid, I think you think whatever you do is normal. Um, and then you get to be an adult and you raise your own kids and you're like, yeah, knowing everything <laughs> about the Alamo when you're six years old is not like a normal thing, right? And also simultaneously right. knowing everything about, let's say, SEC football and Major League Baseball when you're mm -hmm. six. Um, but uh, I, I don't know where that all came from. I was always a massive reader. And, uh, you know, I, I would say maybe the reading thing was abnormal, but obs being obsessed with sports meant that I could be in any body on the planet who likes sports and I felt like I had right. always that that dichotomy where you could have like sort of a super nerdy interest as I know I say this in the book because my wife still refuses to believe that she married somebody who went to Civil War sleepaway camp and had kids with him uh, and <laughs> oh, no. uh, I didn't know there was uh, yeah, a Civil well, War I mean, sleepaway camp I think. <laughs> um, a scholarship kid to Civil War sleepaway camp is a different universe right mm -hmm. um, but I do think that um, that that whole aspect uh, to me, kind of always felt intertwined. And uh, I see it in my kids. Uh, my oldest in particular is a monster sports fan. He's also great at debate. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and, and I, whereas I was super interested in the Civil War, when he was young, he was very, very interested in World War II, and he would read everything about World War II. And so I saw that. I don't know where that mm -hmm. comes from, but I saw that a little bit in him. And I said, okay, this kind of uh, is in some way a reflection, I think, of me. Wow. So you have the biggest radio show in the country. Did you always want to be in radio? No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Look, uh, I, growing up, listened to sports talk radio as a young kid. Mm -hmm. And so when I, my dad would pick me up at school or whatever, what we did when we were driving home, and it's funny, uh, I had my, he just turned nine, but I had my eight-year-old in the car recently, and I was listening to sports talk radio, and he just reminds me a lot of me as well. But he said, Dad. Can you believe there's a radio station where all they do is talk about sports? Like, that's the best thing ever. And, you know, like, he'll just sit there and listen to it. And he knows all the players. And they got the yeah. fantasy football teams and everything else. Um, so I was interested in radio. Like, as a kid, uh, I called into local sports talk radio to talk about whatever the top. I mean, I'd sit on wait on hold for 45 awesome. minutes to an hour or whatever and be super nervous. Uh, so I was interested and aware of sports talk radio but you know then I went to college and then I went to law school and so I thought that I would do something with the law degree mm -hmm. and I had what I would call a quarter life crisis where I was in my law firm and I was 25 years old and I just almost had like this panic attack come over me because I was like oh my god this could be the next 40 years of my right. life and so I thought writing that I would I, my goal was to make a living as a writer and in my mind, I, st I do writing and radio and TV. I still think of myself as a writer, even though it's a small part of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis now. But that yeah. was my love. So I would have said, if you know, if you'd been talking to me when, uh, when I was 15, and if you'd said, Clay, what do you want to do when you grow up? If you had told me that I could make a living as a writer, I'd be like, that's the greatest job in the history of the world. And I went and got a law degree, but I also got an MFA in thought that I would like to teach creative writing um, in, wow. uh, that I would like to teach creative writing 
as the way in which that uh, that I would make a living. And I taught creative writing at Vanderbilt. And I still mm -hmm. think that I minored in creative writing in college. I still think that's probably one of the best jobs out there to live on a college campus and just get to teach kids writing, uh, creative writing in particular. Uh, but, uh, mm -hmm. but so I probably would have said at 15, what do you want to do? Uh, if I could make a living as a writer, either I would have probably said fiction at that point in time because I'd always been a huge reader. Uh, but that's probably what I would have thought I, I would do. I never really thought radio or television or anything like that was was likely to be a career path. Do you feel like you've made it? So, no, uh, but yes, in some ways. Let me explain what I mean by that. About a decade ago, I was at a minor league baseball game, AAA, which is one level below the major leagues. And mm -hmm. I remember feeling like I was a AAA media talent. I felt like I could be a major league player, but I was doing local sports talk radio in Nashville. I was running right. uh, my own website at the time, Outkick, but I wasn't a major league. Yeah, I wasn't a major league player yet, but I felt like I had mm -hmm. the talent to be in the major leagues. I feel like I'm in the major leagues, and that's great because I don't have to worry about paying my mortgage or uh, whether right. my kids can afford to go to college. Like those things are great, but I still feel like I'm not at the top level performance that I can be. So I feel like maybe I'm in major leagues and I still can prove that I'm an all-star. And so, uh, so yeah. I feel like I'm fortunate to be in the major leagues, but I don't feel like uh, I've reached, uh, you know, the apex ability of what I could, could accomplish. What's it like living a public life? Like, do you get recognized everywhere you go and like what, you know, any, any hate or it's, it it's mostly positive? positive where I live. Now, remember I live mm -hmm. in Nashville um, and uh, I think that's, probably different than if I lived in New York or LA, maybe the reactions would be, uh, right. would be different. Uh, but, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think about it more in the context of my kids, uh, because they're getting old enough now where they recognize that dad doesn't have a normal job. And like, I had a conversation with them the other day where I said, Hey, you know, you're getting old enough where you may hear people say things about what I do or what I say. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's great. You know, I'm fortunate to get to be able to say exactly what I think. But I said, all I ever want you guys to do is judge me on dad. Like, don't let anybody else what they're saying publicly about anything that I do. You know me better than anybody who's going to write about me. You live in the house with right. me. If I'm doing a good job as dad, which is my goal, mm -hmm. then judge me on that. Everybody has jobs. The job you can be good at or bad at. The praise can come or go. You asked about whether I feel like I've made it. What I would say, and I bet you've seen this too, is media careers are very much like roller coasters. Like you're really high up and you think, oh man, everything's going great. And then somebody <laughs> like you, yeah. you lose something and you go back down and then you mm -hmm. climb your way back up. And then I've just seen uh, at, you know, I've been in, in media for 20 years now, a, you know, a generation. Right. And I've just seen that happen mm -hmm. so many times where you think, oh, uh, this is really great. And then you get fired. <laughs> and then uh, work, you know, as hard as you yeah. can. And then, you know, it may not be anything that you did, you know, like I started Outkick because Fanhouse shut down the site that I was at. I loved it. I mm -hmm. would have kept doing it for the rest of my life. So I just think you have to, um, the thing that I would say I'm proud of is I think I'm a pretty good dad. I'm not as good of a dad as my dad was. He was phenomenal, but I think I'm a pretty good dad. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think I'm an okay husband. 
Um, and I've been married almost 20 years. And I think I'm pretty good at radio writing and TV. Um, and so when you ask, I think it's such a good question. Do you feel like you've made it? Here's a way that I would think about it. If I could go back in time right now, would I change anything? My answer is no, because I'm very comfortable with where I am today. That doesn't mean I've not made a lot of mistakes. It doesn't mean that I'm not incredibly flawed and imperfect like every person out there. But I'm very comfortable in my own skin and with where I am today. And I wouldn't want to change anything. Like I wouldn't want to not go to law school or I wouldn't want to go to a different college. Or Mm -hmm. certainly I wouldn't want to, you know, not get married. I got married at 25 years old. Like I wouldn't change Mm -hmm. anything. I I would, the only thing I I, I would, I would love to have had more kids. Uh, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to have any more. I think we got three. I feel happy uh, that we have three healthy and happy kids Mm -hmm. right now. But, you know, other than like, I would like to have five or six kids because I've got the ability to take care of them. And I think they're so amazing and so unique, as I know, you know, as a parent. Uh, But other than that, I wouldn't there's not really anything in my life that uh, and I fought for us to have three. So I feel like I won that battle. Mm -hmm. My wife, I think, would have said stayed at two. Uh, But I would have had four or five or six if the timing had worked out uh, a little bit different. Well, it's. It's funny because in the book, you say, I don't think I'm going to have a daughter. And I was like, he's <laughs> thinking about possibly having a fourth. Oh, I, I say to my <laughs> wife all the time, like, you're not too old. Because you, you, you know, I don't think. I mean, that, I mean, that's a maybe. It's a maybe for me. It's a no for her. So, uh, so and usually uh, mom wins uh, in these battles because having a child for me is a lot less work than having a child for her, as I will readily acknowledge. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, w- I think it would have been cool to have a daughter and see what it's like to raise a daughter compared to having, you know, three boys. I'm very happy to have three boys. Yeah. Thankful that I don't have three mm-hmm. girls, trust me. Uh, but I would like to have had three boys and maybe Cold. a girl too. <laughs> All right. Well, I was going to ask you how long you've been married. You said almost 20 years. Do you have any advice for newlyweds? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, your co-host is a newlywed. Have you yeah, we've, I've talked about this Buck? with Buck. I mean, because Buck's in a unique spot because he didn't get married till after he was 40. And, you know, men get so set in their ways that I think it's actually more mm-hmm. challenging for men if they stay single for that long to get married than it is. Um, depending on how old your husband is, I think women are way more mature than men. And what I mean by that is, Like a lot of the whole, the whole marital process, like I never really Mm -hmm. just thought about it that much. Like, I I feel like, um, you know, for instance, the age at which you should have kids. My wife just said, she's two years older than me. Mm -hmm. She was like, yeah, we're going to start trying to have kids now. And like, as a man, I think because you have the luxury of like, you could have a kid at 60, right? Probably not advisable, but you could like, so the the clocks are different for women than men. Um, and so, uh, uh, I would say, um, women probably need, in my opinion, to be more lenient with men, uh, particularly early in marriage, because they're not what you want them to be. What I have come to find out is most men, when they get, yeah. <laughs> yeah, most men, when they get married, in my experience, mm-hmm. would love for their wives to stay the exact same forever, Right. Uh, especially if you're getting married young, we would like, yeah. we would like, uh-huh. we love everything about you. Uh, we would like for you to be eternally the exact same way you are right now. Every mm-hmm. woman basically gets married to a guy in my experience <laughs> with the idea being he's right. okay, 
but I'm gonna, you know, like you, you women go into like, hey, I'm gonna rehab this. Yeah, we home. see potential. Yeah. <laughs> you guys invest in potential. Men invest in the reality of now. And so men are very comfortable, <laughs> I think, oftentimes in the now. Yeah. And women are very comfortable with mm-hmm. the he's just kind of okay now, but in ten years he can be a good dad. I think he's going to have a good future. Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying about you guys see a longer trajectory and range than I think a lot of men do. And I'll give you an easy example. Every man, when they get engaged, has no idea what the next step is. Every woman is like ready to figure out every aspect of the marriage within like in terms yeah. of the ceremony and everything else, where it should happen, what the time is, or, you know, it gets on the phone with her mom. And like, it's, it's like the whole apparatus is moving in place because you guys have all been thinking about it. I can barely even, you know, like conceive of all the details that were involved. So I just think women uh, are way more involved. I I wasn't one of those women who had thought about what her wedding would be like. And that was a mistake because you can't figure it out in a short period of time. You need those years of planning, like, which I realized, you know, I realized in retrospect, I hadn't done. Um, So I, you know, I think it's, I I think it's the right way to go that women think about it for a long time before. And then you get to the most expensive event of your life and you kind of know what you're. Yeah. And the other thing I would say was I was very conscious of what I wanted. I wanted, good looking and super smart. Those were my two criteria. Right. And I think I went, yeah. I, I hit a home run on that, but you got um, it. Yeah. I think a lot of men focus on the good looking and they don't necessarily focus on the like idea of, Hey, you're potentially going to be having children with this person. Like I, I want, right. you know, the, the offspring to also be successful. So, um, you know, and, and also thinking about what, what not, not pretty yeah, dumb. Offspring. Yeah. What kind of mom uh, you, your potential significant other would be. So I would say to men, focus less on the immediate. Oh, she's really pretty. I really like her right now. And more on, OK, 10 years, 20 years. What's the trajectory? So the yeah. potential, right? Think, you want them to think about the potential, potential right. than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you think are like some of our largest societal problems in America? Like, what do you worry about for your kids? Um, yeah, so my, my thing that I hammer home to my boys, and I try to say this every time I go talk to young audiences, is focus on what you can control. I'm big on individual responsibility, but also just the only thing you can really control is your work ethic. You can't control how the world around you responds to you but I can control that I work super hard every day. So I say, graduate from high school. These are minimum standards, by the way, but if every kid could do this, I think the country would be far better. Graduate from high school, um, uh, uh, get a job, get married, don't have a kid until you're 25. White, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, male, female. If you do that, your poverty rate is zero, no matter how poor your family circumstances were for your upbringing. And then you can provide a better opportunity for your kids. That would be my, my pitch. My concern, and I write about this a lot in the book, is that we have allowed identity politics to completely take over our body politic. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. you'll often hear somebody say, hey, as a transgender woman, I believe. And I always think, like, if you put your identity in front of your opinion— why should I care? Your opinion is yeah. either valid and a right. good argument or it's not. I don't care about the things you didn't control. And I'm concerned that mm-hmm. 
when we were growing up, because you're around my age, it seemed like what we were taught was most people are pretty similar, right? Whether despite your background, your common humanity in America, most people are pretty similar. And now I think what we're often teaching kids is you're all very dissimilar. And that's because of things you didn't choose as opposed to things you did choose. Like the idea that uh, that your race and your uh, your your mm-hmm. gender to me are two of the least interesting things about people. Um, the things that you don't, the things that you don't choose, uh, are, uh, are are far more interesting to me. Uh, so far less interesting to me than things that you do choose. And I think we focus on identity right. over everything else. So is that solvable? Is that yeah, I, I mean, think it is. What, what would Clay Travis and Gus do? I think do? It, we have to have a landslide election. Um, and we have to have somebody who mm-hmm. can speak to, uh, and I think we're starting to see it, right? Because the argument when Trump won in 16 was, oh, he's super racist and Republicans are doomed forever to only have white voters. And then what's happened? Uh, Hispanic, mm-hmm. Asian, and black voters have actually become more likely to vote Republican in 2020 and in 2022 than they were before Trump. Because I think the fundamental lie that Mm -hmm. Democrats, and I should say leftists, because there's some Democrats who would reject this, but the fundamental lie that Democrats tell is that America is an awful racist place. And that's just simply not true. Right, that brown people are dying to get Literally every day, (laughs) black and brown people die trying to get into this country. Mm -hmm. If this were the most racist country out there, their decision to do that would make zero sense. So I think that's the fundamental lie Mm -hmm. uh, that Democrats have bought into. And I think it's rooted in identity politics because this idea that all white men are evil. I I used to joke, and I still do make this joke occasionally, but like I picked the worst time ever to become a rich white guy. Like for for basically all (laughs) of American history, if you were a rich white guy, like everything you were like, you were the best person ever. And now I suddenly, I was poor. My Mm -hmm. family was poor, you know, basically our whole life. And now I'm a rich white guy. Like, you're evil. How dare you be a rich white guy? You're, you've done every, you're everything that's wrong with America. I'm like, I went to public school. I didn't even grow up in a good part of Nashville. End here with uh, your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their lives. What's, what's the advice that you think people should follow to make their lives better? I, I think it has to be that you, completely own your own success or failure. Um, And whatever you find that you have a skill in, that you enjoy spending time in. Uh, I said I had a quarter-life crisis. Being a lawyer is not an awful job. My my grandfather's worked in factories their whole lives. There are a lot of bad jobs, trust me, Mm -hmm. I know. And a lot of jobs that stink and also don't pay well, which is a double combo. Um, But I think if you can find something that you don't look at the clock while you do over time you will win if you can find a way to do that i looked at the clock all the time when i practiced law i couldn't wait for for the day to be over so i could leave and no longer be required to be practicing law um i don't look at the clock when i sit down and write i don't really look at the clock other than to make Mm -hmm. sure we hit time breaks when I sit down to do radio, I haven't looked at the clock right. for this entire conversation that you and I are having. Um, <laughs> that's because I enjoy it. And, and I think you can't fake enjoyment because over time, if you like what you do, you will be more successful at that than someone who does not like what they do. So if, I, if you can mirror your, uh, your avocation 
with uh, with something that you enjoy spending time doing, you're going to be successful in it. I also would say this. Figure out if you have a job, look and see what your boss's boss does. If you don't think that you would like to do what your boss's boss does, then you probably shouldn't be in that profession. Because what are you building towards? That's really great advice. Um, I, I think, you know, like in the law firm, I'd be like, oh, the name partner, well, he just gets paid more to do basically the same thing that I do now. I was in a small law firm, so I could see mm-hmm. kind of what they did. Um, that wasn't for me. Doesn't mean I couldn't have been successful at it, but ultimately I would have never succeeded like someone who loved it. And I think the reason I've had success in media is because I genuinely love what I get to do. And um, fi- final, final way. Thank final you way so putting, much, Clay. That was really yeah, final great way answer. of putting this too, by the way, Carol, would be uh-huh. when I sold OutKick two years ago, um, I feel like I kind of won the lottery. And I think everybody sits around and thinks, oh, what would I do if I won the lottery? How would I spend my life? Like everybody has had that mm-hmm. fantasy and everybody has played through it. That's the entire basis of why the lottery works as a business, right? It's that fantasy fulfillment. To me, the ultimate answer is, I would wake up and keep doing what I'm already doing. If you answer that, then you are living a life that you can be, I think, successful and proud and happy in. And I felt like I I had that experience where I woke up, okay, I won the lottery. I've got money. I've got the ability to do lots of things. What do I want to do? Oh, wait, I want to keep doing exactly what I'm already doing. I think that's why I ended up winning the lottery because I had already worked myself into a place where I was so happy doing what I was doing. Thank you so much. I really love that answer. That's some really great advice. I think our listeners should uh, definitely listen to that. Thank you, Clay, for coming on. Loved having you. And please come back anytime. Keep up. By the way, you are killing it. I love reading your columns. You Thank are you. super talented. It's your show. You probably shouldn't <laughs> expect to get praised all the times by the guests. But I Thank am really you. impressed with, uh, <laughs> with how, uh, how talented you are, the work that you are doing. The only negative thing I can say is that your poor <laughs> Cowboy fan son is going to be miserable for most of his life because he's a Cowboys fan. I, I really hope we play the Titans sometime real soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Titans fans are definitely miserable. We're screwed. <laughs> Thanks, Clay. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at avalonwaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated. Thanks so much, Clay Travis, for joining the Carol Markowitz Show. We'll see you again on Mondays and Thursdays. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.